a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a quip. It's just cadals. Pero pepo. Pepo pepo. Pero What's up, everybody? Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 78. I'm one of your equal co-hosts, Chase Williams. What's and it? behind me, in no particular order, we have the equal co-host, Maximum Scott. What's up? Number two this time. <laughs> and the other equal co-host, Hunter Dorsett. Saving the best for last, bro. <laughs> Saving the best for last. How's it going, guys? I'm excited for this episode. I'm going to be real honest. Yeah? Why? Why? We've got a lot. Just tell me. I don't even. Yeah, what's going on? Like uh, what are you guys hiding from me? <laughs> we got a lot of shit to go through. We got a cool segment coming in the back end. We got quit stalling me, Max. We got shit to do. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, we gotta get going. Okay, we so pace. We gotta keep up. Yeah, man. This is yeah from front to back, all the way through. We got a lot of things going on. It's gonna on be meaty. So, yeah. Yeah, meaty. <laughs> it's, it's one way to describe it. Right? <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about? Our second Oktoberfest beer is on display today for our listeners, and that is the Real Ale Oktoberfest. Hunter, give me some information, dude. Okay. After verifying that I am indeed 21 going through their website, yeah. the brewery for Real Ale... That was Ale, close. Um, shows a little excerpt saying... It's kind of long. It says, Fall and German beer go together like Texas and tacos. So we brewed Oktoberfest, our first lager using traditional Bavarian brewing methods and the highest quality German malt, hops, and yeast. Uh, we're going to go over a little bit of that. Yeah, we're going to see more boring It just says Munich and Vienna malts are the real heroes of this brew, resulting in a smooth, copper-colored, medium-bodied beer that's perfect for the fall. It's 5.7% alcohol by volume. It's got 22 IBUs. And it has the pr- food par- pairings of bratwurst and pretzels. So fitting. It really went out on a limb on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had I've had my first sip. Max, have you had your first sip? Yes, I just took it. A little sippy yeah, sap. It's it. uh, it so far to me, it's it's sweet. It's just uh, very malty. That five point seven makes it pretty easy to drink. Twenty two IBUs. I mean, it makes total sense. I don't really taste any sort of bitterness at all in fact if there is any hop characteristic that i'm getting in the first bit is like an earthiness for me this this beer has the spice that i expect in oktoberfest but it feels a bit more earthy and like dry that's my that's my first impression yeah for like the common man though like whatever idiot that wouldn't know this like you guys should probably just explain what ibus are (laughs) yeah there's gonna be some dill hole that's (laughs) listening to this Some expert reviewer out there that doesn't know this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could happen to anybody. I don't blame them. um, I I believe it's international bitterness units. Um, Yeah. And is it to a scale of 100? I think no. I think it can go over 100, maybe. I don't know. Not entirely sure, but 22 is low. 22 is a low low on the spectrum, right? Yeah, because you're right, man. That was the first thing I noticed about taking a sip of this beer, that it was nice and smooth. It was smooth and sweet. Smooth, sweet maltiness kind of hits you all right at first. It's kind of got it's a, a weird, silky slick beer. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. Kind of got a weird nose to it though that I didn't really expect. It's almost like off-putting in a weird way, at least to me. I think that's but that earthiness. That the earthiness. So it's, it's pretty almost it's, like think of like dead leaves. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, like a lawn 
but not like a nice lawn necessarily. Not like a fresh like cut a grass. A lawn in the fall. A lawn in the fall time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, so far I like it. I mean, that's cool. Cool. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so it's it's a nice like metallic orange copperish color, right? We got no head whenever we poured it up. Yeah, same here. And uh, very filtered. You can see through it. Um, first impressions, kind of going off of uh, against the last Oktoberfest uh, beer that we had. I feel like it's a little lighter. Um, I don't. I don't really feel like the smoothness that we had in the last one is is as prevalent in this one. Uh, so it's it's kind of crisp. Um, don't really have a whole lot of like. Yeah, we we said about the head, but it just doesn't look carbonated at all. It's like there's no activity going on in it. <laughs> and I think it's I think it's um it's good you know I think this is one that I could throw back and um I'm ready to you know have it open up but I think I think this is nailing what I would expect an Oktoberfest to be so yeah good start all right well before we get into the news we've got a little bit of housekeeping to go through first things first if you're a new listener to the show you might have come into contact with a little segment we've been doing called Metal or Magic mm. now this segment has captivated the nation. Anyone yeah. that anyone's ears that this segment touches, they are automatically stricken with the banter bug. Absolutely. We get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. Exactly. They stick we around had... for the other garbage in between. But <laughs> thank you for that. There is a man out there though who's listened to Metal or Magic, and he owns in his own house a forge, which he makes some of the most badass pieces of cosplay you've ever seen. And he yeah. took it upon himself to make a crown. For the Medal of Magic, which is now basically a championship to the death over this crown. Oh my Whoever God, is no, the yeah. king of Metal or Magic is able to wear the, the throne upon their heads. And this yeah. is, of course, Tanner, the forger of masks. And I almost don't even know how to intro what we're like, how to like freak out about this in the proper way. Because basically, he just finished the helmet for Metal or Magic and he sent us pictures of it. And it is fucking insane yeah it's, yeah like the the childish gushing of like we've already experienced right when mm-hmm. we for all first saw the picture to where now i'm almost like i want to make sure i give him the respect that he deserves because it's you might like you might be listening to this thing like oh that's cool somebody made you like a novelty helmet yeah it's for like this a game. foam thing yeah You're somebody like, made no. that that's pretty cool they make it look no. like a like a crown. no 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 this is a real <laughs> fucking handcrafted <laughs> totally badass fucking helmet dude it's fucking insane dude. So, so this is how i would describe it did any of y'all see like the x-men back to the past thing with like the days uh, of future past magneto has Magnetus. this fucking cool helmet on it's like super <laughs> thick and metallic magnetos yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking magnetos the king of the mountains <laughs> and it's got this like widow's peak at the front but then this uh, one that Tanner made for us has these fucking minotaur horns going out to the side. Dude, the horns Huge were the greatest horns. touch. I, was yeah. not, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, because I, I think we saw, dude. like, he gave us, like, hey, this is what's coming along, and he kind of sent us one. We're like, dude, fucking badass. It didn't have the horns on it last time I saw it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, that's cool. It's going to be a great one. And when I got this picture, I was just like, oh, my fucking God. What <laughs> he, raised, he raised the stakes so he high. Did. Like, yeah. I don't think I, I will have ever competed for higher stakes oh, than dude. this. Uh, yeah, the fucking meddler magic that's gonna go. The first meddler magic that happens with this oh, crown. Oh, I'm gonna get line, sweaty, dude. It's the gonna pride, be huh? fucking intense. Yeah, it's I more get than to the pride. Start it's off the helmet, with it, right? I mean, fuck. 
I don't know, I man. I mean, you technically like, never won like the first. You yes. never won the helmet. It's the Come thing. On. You know? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. Nah, dude. We got to have. It's got to be in the full, middle. We got to hit the reset button, man. Yeah. It's got to be That's in the middle of the up, table, man. and we're all going to be looking at it <laughs> and playing. It's fucked up. <laughs> but, yes, we're extremely excited. We're extremely well, hold grateful. On. He mm-hmm. wrote and recorded his own flavor text for the helmet. Ugh. And. Hunter, through the power of editing, we're going to insert it right there. From the void, two realms manifested themselves. The realm of metal, brimming with ballads of heroic deeds, presented from angelic vocalists and otherworldly musicians. And the realm of magic. Distant lands filled with arcane energies, channeled to conjure creatures, sorceries, and artifacts to offer to the benevolent planeswalkers. For ages, these two realms lived independently from one another, in peace. But both of them were deceived, for another realm was made. In the land of Texas, from the wittiest of banters, a rift was torn between these realms. And at the embrace of these great worlds, an artifact was made to dominate all others. Through the eldritch power of dark magic, and even darker powers of metal, a physical manifestation of these worlds was given to these mere mortals. The ever-burning forge birthed the helmet of metal and magic, conjured from the ashes of its fallen enemies. And whoever bears such a prize will also bear the mantle, master of metal and magic, which is covered by all who witness its unfathomable glory! <laughs> And so, if you're listening, you just listened to the flavor text, and you also heard how fucking cool that yeah. shit was as well. <laughs> it really was fucking dope. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's going to be a yeah. good one. So, yeah, if, uh, if he well, loses, yeah. uh, you know, his interest in forging, he could definitely be a writer. You know? Yeah, There's some yeah, beautiful writing. But yeah, so you're Tanner. Your initial response, Chase, I think was was nice. It was it's a it was like a humbling thing having a fan do that for us. You know, it's yeah, yeah, that's really what it like. The feeling that came after it was like, damn, dude. Legitimate gratitude. You know? Yeah, 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 the legitimate gratitude. I'm just like, ah. But yeah, it was, yeah, it really was incredibly humbling to just be like, dude, somebody listens and cares that much. And that's really fucking awesome. Yeah. So, Tanner, thanks again. We have, if you are listening to this now, either go to his Twitter account, which is at Forger of Masks, and look in his media to find pictures of it. Um, or, we should have made posts about it by now, but we're going to share the the helmet on our own Twitter feed and on our Facebook feed and stuff as well. Mm. And uh, once we get it in our midst, I definitely want to take pictures with it and stuff. So, Tanner, oh, a million thank yous. I'm super stoked to play for that motherfucker. Dude, yeah. Awesome. And then yeah. on the same note, you know, talking about gratitude and being humbled, we're going back to the Jason man. Because mm-hmm. Jason at Ashford Pub in Houston is uh, – he's. His pub is hosting an event. It's a charity event, 
And uh, basically, he's just going to be bringing out a bunch of breweries to this place. We're going to be sitting outside in the uh, October heat. Maybe it'll cool down by then. But Hopefully. But, yeah, we just want to promote this cause because he's setting up a tent for us. And we just want to have as many people come out and support the charity. And we want to promote it as much as we can. But we really want to say thank you to Jason because he's already got us lined up to interview... uh, what it, what is this? other awesome breweries? Yeah, St. Arnold's. Yeah, yeah we're Saint gonna be Arnold's able to in a couple yeah. others. So if you're in know. Houston, you know maybe you've heard of him before. The guy know. continues to be a kick-ass networking connection. Yeah, for that real. I can't man. believe I just like happened to run into. Thank goodness we're surrounded by professionals. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that really works out for us. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows <laughs> that we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. That. That, yeah. that episode should be out in about like two weeks or so. We'll, we'll be getting close to it. So be looking forward to that if you're a Banter fan. Um, but yeah, was, was there anything else that we needed to do before we start into it? Yeah. Well, what did you guys fucking do this weekend? Anything oh, cool? Yeah. Did you, anything yeah. happen this weekend that you guys like wanted Got to bring Got a real up? cool sunburn, I tell you that much. Oh, that's cool. Is that the coolest <laughs> part of your My experience? nose is peeling. <laughs> Uh, Let's get down to so the nitty gritty. You fucking clowns. We got to go see. We got to go see Radiohead on Friday yeah. at ACL, and Hunter and I stood in the sun for like eight hours straight. That's I, where the sunburn came did from. Did you really but, stand for eight hours? No, don't cut it short. It was like closer to nine, nine and a half. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe not in the sun, but we we staked out from eleven thirty until they played at eight, and then oh, we wow. stood for two hours for the show. So it was Damn. about. About 12 hours in the same spot. Oh, my God. Know. That's fucking... And we were only, like, maybe four rows of people from, like, the barricade. Yeah. So we other were, people we were, were doing it, too, kind of? Oh, yeah. The for second we got there, everyone who was up at that stage was clearly a Radiohead fan. <laughs> yeah. There for Radiohead no to figure it out. Yeah, man. But, that's uh, fucking cool. Wait, so uh, on the stage, just before we get into Radiohead, was there anybody else that came up onto the stage beforehand? Yeah. You got to kind of, like, glide through some of the, you know, yeah. the casuals. A real quick through. story I can tell was I was we I came back and uh, from getting water and on the stage was this black dude who was rapping and then this other older white guy who was playing a guitar and they were basically like this kind of hip hop duo and they had a drummer and I was really really digging them the guy who was rapping was really fucking good and I was like this is cool man I was not expecting this at all <laughs> and like even at one point he just did one of his verses like over no music just spoken word and it was fucking cool yeah after after they get off the stage I turned to Hunter and I'm like man that singer really reminded me of uh, Interpool and the guy in front of us turns around and says oh did you not know that was that's the that's the lead singer of Interpool and that's RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan what and I was yeah. like what dude, dude what like, that's yeah, it was crazy because they played at like four. You know, like they just like didn't let they're anyone know show? that they're these like superstars. That's and fucking put on a cool show. Awesome. And God, then we also lucky. we saw Foles. Yeah, we saw Foles. They were eh. I w- I didn't really like them very much. And then yeah. Super Lotus went on, and I he think was funny. He, he was funny just because like he was disenchanted by the fact that he had this huge crowd. But it was very obvious that everyone was just waiting for, for Radiohead. Radiohead. <laughs> and he made mention of it like seven times. Like, who's ready for Radiohead? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who wants me to get off the stage? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he was like, I promise I have my own fans, guys. And he would like say that in between his little, like in between his songs. He would just like stop the music and say that and like go back. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's very self-aware. I like yes. that. I like that. So after, after all these, you know, whatever bands came up and out, and Radiohead hit the stage. Yes. 
Describe to me at first, how long has it been since either of you have seen Radiohead? I've never seen them. This is my first time. You've never seen Radiohead before this? Never. I kind of forgot about that. Wow. Yeah, what the fuck? I thought you had seen them once before. That's crazy. I have the reputation of being that concert guy. Yeah, I've just but seen it's all, it all just a big facade, and I'm a big liar. <laughs> yeah, big old phony. I saw uh, them in 2012 in Austin, uh, and I was probably you know a football field away, maybe really? maybe maybe 75 yards away. But I mean, I wasn't anywhere close. I was in stands, and there was an entire general 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 standing area where like you know there was a bunch of other people. So yeah. I, I wasn't close, but I enjoyed it still. But yeah, this was by far the closest I've ever been. Yeah, being four rows away. What was it like when you when they're coming up on stage? And of course, you got to get that. You turn around to see how oh, many people yeah. you've beaten. Yeah, dude, it was. I mean, it was how like the rest of ACL was behind us, basically, man. Dude, like whenever the camera would, because the, they have a ton of cameras there that play on the screens. Whenever it would show the crowd, like you could not see the end of it. I mean, it, it seriously like. When you watch DVDs of Metallica or Rush or any band playing big festivals mm-hmm. and they had these massive crowds, I mean, it was on par with anything I've ever seen before. It was nuts. When yeah. the crowd hits the horizon line, that's that's pretty intense. Yeah, I was trying I mean? to, like, I put my hands up as high as I could in the air to just, like, try and take a picture of them. And, like, it went all the way to the end. Like, I couldn't. Like, there were I more people to take a picture, but you couldn't the, see them. You know, so. It was a lot. It had to be at least like 50,000 people there. So, Well, well that's fucking dope. Um, so Radiohead has like 10 billion albums, <laughs> all yeah. completely different. Uh, but they also just came out with a new one. What kind of songs were played? Um, any of special note? Any that you wanted to especially mention? That they did particularly well. You go first, uh, Chase. So I thought that the set list that they played was fucking great. I think we got a very good set list. Hunter and I both heard songs that we specifically said we wanted to hear. And they also played a few that I just wasn't expecting. Some that like, uh, like they played the first song off of OK Computer, Airbag, which is like one of my favorite ones. And it's also like I first started listening to them with that album when I was running. And so when they, when they played it, it was just like all of the memories and the feelings just came rushing back. And so... I thought that the set list was just basically perfect, you know? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that was the exact same feeling I had because I got into them listening to Hail to the Thief and hearing 2 plus 2 equals 5. That song just set me off, like, ever after. And they played yeah. that song. And it was, like, the perfect political climate for it and stuff, too. You know, I was just like, I had to sing You Have Not Been Paying Attention, like, 16 times in a row. And they yeah. let me do that. So, uh <laughs> So yeah, I thought that the set list was incredible too. I, I think that you know we might have we might have wanted one or two like super obscure ones to add to the bag, but they hit on you know all of the really solid ones that everyone is just like you know that are big Radiohead fans. Just I mean get. every everyone around us, almost every single song that would come on, somebody in our vicinity would turn to their friend and be like, "Dude, I can't believe they're fucking bleeding." Yeah. You know, like everyone was tripping <laughs> out. Like. Chase always jokes about me and Blake making our band into a Radiohead tribute band. (laughs) The dudes that were standing in front of us, there was two dudes. One of them was like wasted. These dudes were actually in a Radiohead tribute band. Did you hear him say that, Chase? (laughs) Looks like, uh, yeah. There were certain parts where like they were like harmonizing with each other on the songs and stuff. And I was like, wow, dude. (laughs) But it was great, man. I mean, the 10 hour wait was more than worth it. Um, I, I mean, it was a fucking pilgrimage. That kind of stuff, but how, it was great. How long did they play? Two hours. They played for two fucking hours. Yeah, hour and a half stop, and then encore. Damn, dude, that's really long for a festival. 
Yeah. 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 That's what I was worried about, that they would only do an hour. Like but an hour. I mean, so it was my first time seeing them, and, and it was just cool because it totally made me respect them um, even more than I already do because I didn't realize that when you listen to the albums, they sound – they're extremely well-produced, and they almost sound like since they kind of have unlimited resources – that they're kind of just layering on all of these things on top of each other and just kind of just making the sound like on their own mm-hmm. with just computers or something. But when they played live, every single song, one of the band members was off doing something really strange, either with a guitar or with some sort of instrument that like they straight up like made. And they made like they played every song almost to like its perfect fidelity. And I was just beside myself with the fact that just like when I watch Rush and it's like, I can't believe this much music is coming out of three people. I was watching Radiohead and I said, like, I can't believe this wasn't all just the work of studio magic and they are all making these noises in real time, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm not entirely sure of this. I don't think they were the ones that coined it, but I think they made a big push in it. I feel like most bands would like create music, play it live, and then be like, we got to record this, right? Go to the studio and put it down. And I feel like Radiohead was a band that did a lot of upfront work and just like recorded it in the studio, made it sound as badass as possible. And then afterward was like, we got to kind of figure out how to play this live. And uh, yeah, it's just incredible that they can actually, they can actually pull off the majority, like all five of them. Well, actually now there's six of them can pull off what they're actually putting into the, into the recording. So it's pretty, pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. It was fun. incredible. Um, We'll definitely. I mean, I, I could go on for an hour, so yep. we'll, we'll have to talk about it off off the show later. But um, Radiohead was fantastic. It was everything I expected and more. De- and it was and it was it was cool leaving that concert saying I just checked something off my bucket list. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. Because you two are like the biggest Radiohead fans I've ever met. So that's yeah, really die cool. hard. Yeah. <laughs> die hard <laughs> for sure, man. All right. Well, it's been twenty minutes, but fuck <laughs> it. Let's go ahead and get into the news. This is witty banter. You went with a classic one on that one. Oh, I like it. I like that because you've been going really weird lately. I throw well, really off. It's because stuff. everyone's beeps have gotten stranger, and I feel like it's this war of attrition where no one's willing mm-hmm. to fucking take it down and much. I gotta go back to brass task, man. Gotta yeah, go gotta, back to the basics. Him, yeah, I was gonna say you hit us with the traditional, man, and it caught that caught off us guard. So. Yeah, I think that was the the winner today. You did it, man. <laughs> well, I feel honored. <laughs> All right, our first news story comes from IGN, and it's titled. Adventure Time to end after season nine. Mm. And it reads, oh, my glob. Pendleton Ward's Adventure Time is set to end in 2018 following the finale of its ninth season. Deadline reports that the consistently weird, occasionally heartbreaking travels of Finn and Jake will come to a close in approximately two years. Although we have a few new episodes, miniseries and a movie to come before then. Wow. A movie? There's a little bit more. I just, yeah, I guess there, I guess there's a movie coming out. Hmm. I did not know that. But I wanted to bring this up because I feel like all of us have ex- have had exposure to Adventure Time and the fact that they're going to be hitting their ninth season and then ending, I feel like is the end of a era in some way. Just wanted to get your, your, your thoughts on this show going out. Well, I think it's very eye-opening to – I mean, I, I knew there was like a bunch of seasons, but the fact that there are already nine seasons means that it's already at a point to where like a normal show should be ending, you know? So it's old. Like when you think about it, it is an old show. And I don't think that 
people realize how old it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, when it first came out, I followed it for like the first three seasons or so. And it's actually not until recently that I've been rewatching it with Wyatt. Yeah, uh, dude. In the mornings. And it's been really cool to see them change the direct. I mean, it's such old news, but see them kind of change that direction from being like an episode to episode kid show to having this like extremely deep and twisted continuity that they yeah. stayed with for such a long for these long periods of time. And uh, it really gets very like dark and personal and very sad and very like just emotionally driven and like maturely emotionally driven. So, but it's awesome because I think you, it's like the toy story thing. Like you're aging with Finn, yeah. you know, that's the idea is that like Finn is getting older. Mm-hmm. In the that's show. what's so cool is, is yeah. the voice actor has stayed the same and he started when he had like this really high voice and then his voice begins cracking and getting deeper. And in mm-hmm. the show he's getting older and more experienced. I always thought that was really cool. Yeah. It works really well. So I mean, I, I haven't even gotten up to season nine yet, but I'm excited to kind of see a conclusion when I get there. Right. So that's awesome. I, I haven't gotten anywhere close to watching as much of it as I want to, but I, I can tell just from like the general consensus of how people talk about it and how people know about it and just sort of the, the leaps that they take. I feel like people always look back and think of it as an extremely influential and sort of like... Um, it was like a paradigm show, you know, like it, it set off a lot of things that like people are going to want to try and replicate afterward. Um, and yeah, I just, I think it's the perfect mix of like, Whoa, what the fuck? And like super funny and goofy and cute. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to miss it that, that, that we, they're not going to continue putting out that stuff. So. Yeah. That's definitely the legacy it has in my mind is just hopelessly funny. And there's like a purity to the humor And there's also like a purity to the art direction, which I always thought was like a kind of neat mix where like the colors are so bright and pure and just pretty like that. That show assaults your senses and it's very whimsical. And I always loved it for that as well. But yeah, Finn is hilarious. The show is great. It's coming to an end. I think that that show is so important because I think that afterwards so many cartoon shows took the approach to having that like super honest and realistic form of talking hmm. that you kind of notice the way that like Finn and Jake communicate with each other is supposed to replicate almost identically how like kids talk to each other. doesn't seem like so scripted. Yeah. Maybe. It's not script. Yeah. It's just a lot of like dudes and like yeah. using, you know, terminology <laughs> and slang that you would be familiar with at that age. And so many shows like Steven universe and gravity falls and like regular show all kind of took that approach to the way that they like wrote the scripts, you know? Yeah. So I think it's safe to say that adventure time was responsible for all these amazing other shows that you get to watch that are still coming out. So yeah, we're all going to miss it. The end of an era. So excited to see what happens. It's very accomplished. So, you know, good on them. They can be proud going out. Yeah, for real. All right. This next one comes from Reuters and it's titled, Replacement Samsung Note 7 phone emits smoke on a U.S. plane. (laughs) I wanted to touch in on this just because it looks like Samsung's having a really hard time PR-wise recently, and I thought we'd check in on what's going on. But the story reads, a replacement model of the fire-prone Samsung Note 7 smartphone began smoking inside a U.S. plane on Wednesday, the family that owns it said, prompting fresh investigations by the Consumer Product Safety Commission and the Federal Aviation Administration. A problem with the replacement for the Note 7 model would create a new, embarrassing, and potentially costly chapter to a global scandal which has hurt Samsung's reputation. 
It also could add new dangers for consumers. Um, and then lastly, it says Indiana passenger Brian Green's phone began emitting smoke inside a Southwest Airlines company uh, or corporation flight to Baltimore from Louisville, Kentucky. His wife, Sarah, told Reuters after speaking with her husband. She said that Green had replaced the original phone about two weeks ago after getting a text message from Samsung. His <laughs> phones are blowing weeks. up and smoking, man. What is going bad. on in the phone? Like, uh, that's what I'm what wondering. What is in like, there? What could like, it possibly there be There has doing? to be something that's triggering fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, you got to look at that and be like, okay, in this next one, we can't have that. It's like little gnomes. With two <laughs> sticks just rubbing them together. Yeah, like, we have the these phone. two things that we technically had to make out of flint. And when you put them together, <laughs> when you use the phone enough, it does technically trigger a fire. Stop jumping up and down, guys. Yeah, don't shake the phone too much. It'll blow up. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, that really sucks. For Samsung, because I think that, like, the Galaxy 7 is an exceptional phone from what I've read up on it. And it's, like, very groundbreaking in all these different senses. But at the same time, the Note 7 is, like, the worst phone in history because it literally <laughs> kills you. So it's just it sucks that they are doing really well. And then this thing happened and it's going to hurt them forever. Like, how costly has that got to be to go out and be like, hey, every phone we sold. All the expenses on those phones is thrown yep. away. We also yep. have these new expenses to make a replacement for each one. And, and now then, it's smoking. And now those <laughs> are probably going to have to be replaced too. Yep. And it's just they need to give up. They just need to cancel the no <laughs> in my opinion. Dude, don't try to keep it up. Like, well, It's just like it, it's funny how you can have a lot. You can do 99 things right and it only takes one thing wrong to kind of really kind of set you back as for, this is a eyes. pretty big one though, i was gonna right? say this is a pretty big wrong no man. i'm not i'm not trying <laughs> to defend them in any way but i think you're right i mean like samsung is known for putting out comparable high quality phones to even like the iphone and um it's just funny that you know they <laughs> I, I again is i i can't possibly fathom what's <laughs> going on in the phone the fact that there's another phone that is essentially the same phone but smaller like what's in a big phone like it's, that makes it blow it up. It seems just as plausible as like the the new Samsung Note 7 uh, ends up peeing on your leg when you put it in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I just don't even understand how it's possible that it yeah. just starts catching a flame. Yeah. Um, Dude, I have no fucking clue. Yeah. What do you got on it, Chase? I just I, I honestly wonder if it's not as big of a deal. as I mean, it's so it's fucking super costly for their company and they're going to eat. Just take a bath in the money they're, they're going to be losing. But I think that in like six months from now, we'll not even remember this. Oh, yeah. Probably. Well, yeah, but it still doesn't take away from all the money that they lost right now. And I like, think people yeah. will always remember like, oh, you remember that time when Samsung's phones just blew up? The second up the new phone, when the 8s all come out, they'll be like, well, does this have that awesome blow up feature that the last ones had? <laughs> Do you think it'll stick like that, though? Like, do you think forever in the phone war, someone's going to now just kind of be able to be like, oh, sweet Samsung, does it blow up yet? Like, yeah, I think dude, with the internet, maybe. it's totally possible. Yeah, are you kidding me? It should last forever with the internet. Yeah, man. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude, yeah, like. That does not go away. It's a it's a little off, sub, uh, off subject, but those fucking Harambe memes are actually starting <laughs> to really crack me the fuck oh, up yeah. now, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I shit you not, this kid. So I run, uh, I am on um, our our uh, Twitter account at work and we get play players will message us and stuff and ask for help or whatever. And this one kid just fucking messages me on Twitter and says, Hey, I have a really quick question. I was like, yeah, sure. Like what? And he's like, have you heard, um, 
about the Cincinnati Zoo and how they killed that gorilla Harambe. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he's like, is your dick out for Harambe? <laughs> dude, there was a dicks out for Harambe sign at Radiohead. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was. it's great. All right. Well, that's all of the news for this week. I'm going to go ahead and cut it a little bit short, and we're going to go ahead and mosey on over to halftime. So we'll be right back. If you want to follow the show once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Witty Banter Show. Also, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash witty banter podcast and help the show get discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to wittybantershow at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website, wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back. Back to the show. I feel like I don't have much to say about this beer. It's kind of an under the radar beer. Yeah, it's subdued even more than the last. It's kind of like that guy at work that he does everything. You know, he gets it done. <laughs> his name's probably Larry. The Omiba. Yeah. But, but he's he not fun to talk to. Yeah, he doesn't go out after work. Um, he You're happy cool he's stories. there? Because yeah, he's he, going to make your night easier. Yeah, he's not but trying like, to like, get fired But you really don't want to get trapped in that fucking conversation hole of how he polishes his shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not like he's like awkward and doesn't know how to talk to people. He genuinely thinks you're interested. Uh, well, that's because he loves his shoe collection. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just like <laughs> that's the one thing collection. you got, and I'm not very impressed by it. Yeah. You but. try and change the subject. You're like, hey, man, you want to go out and have some fun after work? And he's like, no, nah, I'm not really into that kind of thing. I was like, no, I'm okay. I think I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, like, I was okay. like, well, are you working tomorrow? I was like, yeah, well, I'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that sums up my thoughts on it. Anybody else want to add anything? I agree. I mean, um, I remember um, saying that the last one for me carried itself almost like an amber because it had some, some spices and y'all are noting on like cherry and like nutmeg kind of stuff and uh yeah i mean none of that none of that stuff really really stands out to me on this one i I, it's kind of just i get the malt uh but it's a short flavor profile and um it's it's nice there's you know it's it's not there's not anything that's a bad taste for me but yeah subdued very subdued you know we'll give it the rest of the show maybe it'll open up just a pinch more give it another chance yeah, you know, it's still so shy. You know, it's still pretty cold. So maybe one I'd be a son of a bitch if I wrote this beer off in 30 quick minutes, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't be a fucking asshole. Give us some time to express it. Let him talk about his fucking shoes, okay? Yeah. You're just going to walk up to somebody in the street shoes. and tell me like, hey, what do you think about political philosophy? No, you're going to fucking ask about the weather first. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to start with you. the simple stuff first. And even right. that you can't break down in 30 minutes. That brings us to our segment, which I don't think we have a buffer for or anything, but that's okay. We are going to now review the video game Inside, which we have all played. Before we get started, uh, if you're listening to this and you have not played Inside, we're going into full spoilers. And if you think there's even a, if there's even a shadow of a doubt in your mind that you think you might play this game, if you have a PlayStation 4, an Xbox One, or a PC, and you really don't need a powerful one... You have the opportunity to play this, and I implore you to play that game first before listening to this. Yeah. Um, that being said, full spoilers ahead. Um, skip ahead about ten minutes from now, and if we're still talking about it, then I'm going to go ahead and tell you to skip again. Skip ahead again, but ten minutes from right now is when we're starting. Okay. Okay. 
I'm going to ask you guys the first question that I ask everybody who plays inside. And it's a very what simple, think? what the fuck was that? I would try to describe this game as being a artistic Orwellian apocalyptic story that's being told in the most minimalistic ways, leaving a huge, huge, huge area for inference, right? Yeah. And that ends up making it an incredible game to have a conversation about. Yeah. I just felt like I was going through somebody's dream. Like, totally. Like, I just felt, you know, that, you know, with, with so many games, you have cutscenes and stops. And so this was just a one stop. You pretty much just keep going. And in the same sense as, like, you know, when you're in a dream and you turn around, it's never going to be the same when you turn around twice. This game kind of does the same thing where you just keep moving forward and you're like, oh, this is weird. Oh, like, I don't even understand what's happening now. It's like, now oh, it's getting really weird. So, I don't know. I just felt I like I was going I, through a dark dream. I totally agree. Like, and there's a way that the environments are are put together where there there feels like a coherence to it. There feels like a, continue, like a, a continuation, like, from where you just came from and where you are now. But as you get deeper inside the facility... It really doesn't make sense whatsoever how this thing would exist in an actual ge- geographical place. No, no, you know, no, no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> and so in that way, it does feel very dreamlike to me. Where it's like when you when you're talking about a dream, like, well, first I was doing this, and like first I was in like um, a farm area and barns, and then I was like in a ghetto, but now I'm like in the middle of a sunken like underground place, and and it just doesn't make any sense. But they somehow. You got there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to explore that a lot because I mean, just, I mean, not to skip around too much, but just the idea that like part of the facility that you're inside is so obviously abandoned and destroyed and has been that way for a long time. But then as you go through it more, there's like a portion of it that is 100% still being like worked on, you know, still is like, still is a, a functioning facility that people are in. So you just get kind of confused as to where you are Mm -hmm. really, as far as that goes. Yeah. You're kind of wondering like what the agenda is and what, what, you know, a group of people like this and a place like this are actually trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's what makes the ending so fucking weird. Dude, like, what the <laughs> fuck was that ending, man? Like, do you guys kind of get what I'm saying when I, when I talk about this game now? And like, I say that, I don't like even if I was sitting there for two hours, I would have never been. I would have never been able to tell you what was going to happen at the end of this game. Oh no, you no, know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. Way. It was just the most. I mean, it was like an. It was like walking out of the theater after seeing Inception, where the last bit of that movie really gave you something that was like impossible to swallow. I felt like it was the same exact way with the final thirty minutes of this game. You know? Yeah. Every. I think. I mean, there definitely is a certain moment where at every point in the game, you're not sure what's coming up next and not in the way that like everything is surprising like you're gonna walk up and something's gonna pop out and you're gonna get scared or something like it's, it's not like that at all but you don't have any clue like what just happened how that's going to affect you in the future of the game mm-hmm. how it's going to affect the next or affect the next course of the game it was just incredibly incredibly interesting and 
So I have, a f- I have a few more questions I want to throw your guys' way. Uh, another one I like to ask was just, when was your first death? When did you first die in this game? Because death in this game is very lucid, and um, it's, it's one of the showpieces of the game are these very grisly death animations, and they're very impactful, and they kind of get the stakes across to you in a very real way of what's going on. Uh, so when, where was the first time you guys died? I think the first time that I died was um, running across, uh, like when when the car is in the background and it's got the flashlight and it's looking around, and yeah. it was because I didn't know. I mean, I I, I could infer like there's a part before that where I 100% assumed that I wasn't supposed to be spotted, so I like stopped and I like hid behind whatever I could hide behind and I waited for the scene to play out and for them to leave. And I think at that point I kind of knew, uh, yeah, what, yeah, like, okay, these guys are out to get me. I probably should not be spotted at that point. Yeah. But I like genuinely like just kind of was running forward and then like ran out to like saw the car coming, but didn't register what was happening in time to where I just kind of ran out and then ended up getting spotted and getting fucking tased or shot darted yeah, or yeah. darted or something. Yeah. So that was the first time. And you're right, dude. Like, Every death in this game really makes you not want to die. <laughs> it was fucking insane. It's pretty cool. Like there's there's definitely moments in like puzzles and stuff where like you would like you kind of had to accept that like you're gonna die trying to get this across. But right. outside of that, in most situations, if I didn't know what was going on, I tried to play it as safe as possible and like sit and like look around and be like, How do I what's going on? I gotta make sure I'm not gonna get killed. Was there a dog barking? When is that dog coming in here? Yeah. Man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I think I my you. I think my first death was pretty early. Um it came, I think, just tripping over the first the first log yeah. on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um but you know, I, I was actually surprised at how um you know it you don't feel punished for dying. Like, while it was grisly and stuff, the gameplay doesn't make you feel, like, pissed off that you you died. Because it's, like, it's not like a Super Mario Bros. in the way that, like, you have to go all the way across this place before it respawns you at a spot where you're like, okay, well, like, I can keep working from here. Because, like, if you had to go, like, you know, a really long ways and then die and then have to start all the way back over, that's really disenchanting about a game. And... It was really easy for me as sort of a, I would say, more of a casual gamer than both of y'all it to just, like, feel okay. Like, I, I fucked up. Okay, I can keep going. Like, I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't lose all of my progress. Yeah, I was upset, but not, like, in the way to where I was, like, mad at the game. Because yeah. Because I knew I was going to have to go and repeat something. Because I actually really did like that, too. Every time you died, you pretty much, like, got respawned right before we were. Almost mm-hmm. like, almost like you... Every, most of your deaths are like 100% avoidable the next time around. You know what I yeah. mean? It's not like this is a challenging so that's, part. That's what's also really nice about this game from like just a, a, a design aesthetic is the solutions to the puzzles. It, any encounter, whether it was the, the stakes were death or it was just solving a puzzle, they really weren't too difficult. And that's because in every room, essentially, there was only a couple things you could interact with. Right. And because they so limited the... Um, the toolkit, like you kind of knew that I'm going to have to fuck with this in some kind of way. And so therefore you could kind of get through it after tinkering for a little bit. Um, And I just always thought, I thought, I just think this game is designed in such an elegant way that one of my favorite parts about it is there's not a single line of tutorial text. 
There is not a single button prompt. This game respects you as a player. You start in the woods and you end and you end on a beach, and that's that. It doesn't fucking talk to you once. You know, there's not a single word in the game. Period. You know. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I will say though that coming from a, you know, a fighting game player where I'm used to having a move list or like something that I can refer to mechanics wise. One of the places that I got stuck the most was not knowing how, like walking up to the refrigerator at the very beginning (laughs) and being like, I know this is important. And me just (laughs) literally going on my computer and going like X, Y, B, D. Oh, it's because you're on a keyboard. And I went through everything and I was like, what do I fucking, and I pressed, I thought everything because I hit my left control. And then I was like, what the fuck do I do? So I had to Google like what my moves were and it was like control and I was like that's fucking impossible the other control button was like what move stuff so that uh, was I literally spent like and those are my first at the very beginning and I played the first part right before I went to school and I had like an hour or so but I literally spent 20 minutes like trying to figure out what <laughs> I walked up to it, I was like I know I'm supposed to do something with this so I do just want to note that so. it does have that yeah. happen a few times where like I, there's a part where you go down a super long chain rope and then, like, when you get to the bottom of the rope, you can't really see the bottom. And I was like, well, I, I know I'm going to die. So I literally sat on that chain rope trying to swing it back and forth and, like, get to this super obscure sp- part of the side of the wall for probably, like, 45 minutes. Just, like, <laughs> Holy shit. doing something that I just didn't need to do at all. Um, and real quick, it's been 10 minutes. If you've just come back in and you're still trying to avoid spoilers for Inside, give us another 10 minutes. We'll be right back with you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so here, uh, another question I want to ask um, is I just want you guys to both explain to me what happened in this game in about a paragraph. Just a few sentences each. In a few sentences each um, what, ha- what, what happened in this game from a narrative standpoint? I would say that at the beginning, you are a child. Uh, obviously, like... At first, you think that you're kind of hiding or running away from something. But I think the second that you use mind control device for the first time and you kind of get out of more of the woodsy area and more into like the barn and then further on into the factory, you definitely realize that he's on a mission or he's on some sort of quest. And at that point, I inferred, okay, somebody going into obviously like save somebody or help stop what's going on in this like apocalyptic dystopian future, right? Yeah, and then as you get further into the um, like facility, you realize that whatever he's going into, you're going into somewhere where there's like experiments. You're running into more of the mind-controlled people. Um, you start realizing that it's definitely like a corporation or a big bad company that's doing something really bad, and you're going in there to fix it. Was it a company? I mean, yeah, something, right? At that point, like you don't really know still. And then I would say at the very last point, um as you interact with more of the mind control devices, you interact with the essentially like, I don't It was never really explained whatever the failed experiment swimming girl doll things were. Uh, you start to realize that this might be not necessarily like, like because you can control other things and because there's definitely, there's a puzzle in the game where you go into the mind control device and then you use that device to control somebody else who goes into another mind control device. Mm -hmm. And then that makes it so you can control somebody else. You start realizing that there's an inception aspect to it. And then I think once you get to the blob, 
or like that morph, this disgusting creature that's full of all the little mind control caps on top of them, you start realizing that they're using this to do whatever they're doing and control all these little people. And then you become a part of that and then you break out and then you get all the way to the end. And then what I inferred was that you were being controlled by the blob and then being brought into the facility. And then one other thing to note, I know this is way longer than the paragraph, sorry, <laughs> but um, one thing that I went by and took a special note of was like how planned the blobs escape was. Yeah. Well, what's, well, what's crazy about it is the, um, the scientists, if you go up to the glass when you're just the boy swimming in the, the tank that the blob mm-hmm. is, they're push, they want you to go to the blob. Mm-hmm. The guy is sitting there. He's, 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 he's with his hand motioning towards it, and then they help you escape as yeah. the blob. And that's what's so fucking weird about it is like they throw you – like there's a puzzle where you have to throw them a box. Mm-hmm. He pulls the lever, and he throws it back to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then just after that, they use a box to lure you back into a thing, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So you definitely at the very end think that not only was the boy not really like in his own mind, but being controlled by the blob, but it might have been the company or this corporation controlling the blob to essentially go through whatever cycle is because cycle this is because obviously whatever it is, whatever that blob creature is, it's like growing person by person because that's exactly what happens you get consumed by it it grows a little bit and then you get out yeah and you're like essentially smarter or stronger so i can only assume that it's something that happens over and over and over again and also there's a point where you look at like a diorama that you smash through in the background you literally land right where the game ends yeah you land yeah exactly like there's so the much diorama, foreshadowing in this game 100 percent shows you the the ending of the game <laughs> Which infers that I didn't that really notice being, that. Wow. It's just yeah. like a big landscape with the one light beam that comes down, mm-hmm. but it's like set up in the background to show that they like planned that. Yeah. And oh, also, fuck, yeah, yeah, and to show that when you're down and you're like messing with what I think are the failed experiments, and you have the submarine, the light is what like keeps them from moving. Mm-hmm. So when you get out as the blob, because you're one of those things, once you hit the light, you don't move and you stop. Damn. All right, man. Fuck. Yeah. I never considered that shit. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Um, it was awesome. Dude, this game is really good. What? Yeah. So yeah. Hunter, <laughs> Hunter, give, Hunter, give me your paragraph, but then let's also go ahead and put some numbers. I just want to af- go into your paragraph and then we'll start wrapping it up. I'm going to try and actually stick to a paragraph. Sorry. So, <laughs> so I would say you are a boy running through a host of different environments in which you have to interact with uh, puzzles in order to continue on your journey. Your journey uh, consists of mind control, of um, sort of zombie-like people or humanoid figures, and you go everywhere from um, escaping dogs and pigs to... uh, getting in a submarine and going to like the depths of just like an endless underwater world to being dragged down in that underwater world by some failed experiment and seeming like you died. Um, But it ultimately ends by uh, going into a place where there's clearly experiments going on and you're consumed by one of the experiments 
and you end up breaking out of it. And I don't really know if there's a whole lot of actual, like, I think that you saw a lot of stuff that I didn't see, but as far as like trying to draw a straight line and maybe infer about like real story stuff, that's kind of why I think it's more dreamlike because I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Like I think it purposefully kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. And, but it's, it's a beautiful ending. Like, seeing a big mass of just jumbled humanity at the end of some shore with a light beaming down on it. It was just like this weird, like, it was like this weird, beautiful, gross thing that happened. And I don't know. It was just a, it was just a really fun, quick, enjoyable game. Yeah. It was fucking super cool. We got about two and a half minutes. Let's see. If we can go and put numbers on this thing, or just actually, w- whether you give it a number or not, both of you, what did you think about the game overall? Like, um, I think that the game was perfect in my sense. Uh, I think as like a one-player game, it tells a beautiful story in that it's very vivid and very detailed, but not in any way that like over explains anything and leaves so much to be inferred. Um, I think as a game itself, it's fun. I think the puzzles are just challenging enough. I don't think that any of them are hard. I never felt like I got stuck on anything for a very long time. Um, the longest one that I got stuck on was that underwater one where you had to smash into the wall yeah. and then like the bars were there. And yeah. I was like, how the fuck do I get out of here? And it took, that was the hardest one to me. That was, for some reason, took forever. Um, I will 100% say that this is a 10 out of 10 game. I mean, it's just really well done. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a great game. Hunter? I felt like everything seems so well thought out in this game, right? I thought that they purposefully limited the... Uh, number of actions that you could do to just a control button and a, and a, and a jump button. They, they purposely uh, kept you just going right and left, you know? Um, well, you can go up and down as well and stuff. I'm but, just like one minute. Oh, one minute. Um, <laughs> but they have, like, it's incredibly unique. It's not like anything I've ever seen before. And I think you're right. Like, the, the puzzles are fun, and I wouldn't say that they're intuitive, but they're not like they're not something that's impossible to overcome. They're supposed to be overcome, and you're supposed to go through it. Um, and they make it sort of viable for you to do it. So, and I thought it was just like a really interesting way of telling some crazy dreamlike story. So they accomplished everything that they I think they were going for. So I I can't I would say it's at least a nine point five, if not a ten. Yep. You know. It's, it was great. Well, I'm super happy to hear that you guys enjoyed it. Um, we'll definitely have to. I mean, it's it's a game where I've, I've played it like th- three times all the way through now. Yeah. And uh, even on my third one, within uh, five minutes, I was picking things up that I didn't see. And that's in, in a lot of ways, that's how the game is like a very good book. So I can't wait to continue talking to you guys about this game. Yeah, for, for real. Sure. I've got a million things to say. <clears throat> Yeah. Do you have a number? All can right. we can we ask if you? Have yeah. A number? What's your number? Mine's a ten. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, Not ten. It's ten. <laughs> this this is one of my favorite games of the last couple of years. Like, I mean, this this game, I I I can't stop thinking about. I can't stop praising. And I think it's just one of the great games to have come out. And I can't wait to see how its legacy either grows and how I, as I keep playing it, it continues to change. You know, it's definitely going to be a game that you can go back to 
like year from now and like oh that was fun because it's so short and yeah. so cool that you get to just jump into it for a little bit yeah. it'll stick around for sure all right well let's go ahead and hop into the mail corner it's time to open up some questions it's it. it's This first one comes from none other than Dunter Horset. Hmm. He says, okay, shitwits, here's your oh. question of the week. When are you bringing guests on the show again? Because you have a few options. And he lists them out here. He says, Max K. I guess he's cool if you want to go to space or something, but whatever. <laughs> Ma- and then he says, Max Scott. Oh, wait, he's excluded from being a guest as he is now, quote, an equal co-host, end quote. Yeah, you've had a long season of a guest on the show for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then he says, Ben Ebig, have you heard his last name? Next, please. <laughs> what a dick. I know, Nick. You got to fucking back off because yeah. Ben's the shit. And then, he's, and then he lists, Nick, he seems like a great option. He's your favorite person ever, right? And then he goes and he says, Tyrell, so what? He has access to a brewery and he climbs trees really well. Climbing trees has nothing to do with the show. Time to move on. Then <laughs> he says, Forrest, he hates everything. He probably wouldn't even go for it if you did invite him on. And finally... <laughs> Dunter, he is a very support. He is very supportive of the show. Seems like the ultimate way to give him a pat on the back. Get crammed, Dunter, the completely unequal emailer, Horset. I would love to have Dunter on the show with like a voice modulator. <laughs> <laughs> Just like have him on here, like a completely blacked out screen for Skype. Oh my god. A um, ski mask or something, Ugh. and just horror. Like <laughs> we have to do that. Hold on, it's me, Dunter. And it's just, yeah. Well, I feel, well like, here's I feel like we're we're just now starting to get comfortable enough with our setup to where we could bring on guests onto yeah. the show. That's what sure. I was gonna say to actually answer his questions. Doing guest appearances via Skype is just as easy as it is to just record like we are now. We do need to start getting ho- um, guests on here, um, and there's there's a host of people we can we can start soliciting on it'd be a lot of fun we i think i think we should definitely make it like a goal at some point to get a few people on here i think we should also play metal or magic with uh tanner yeah that's the obvious choice yeah well i win i guess i keep the helmet it's like (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'll just keep it here (laughs) he's really good at magic (laughs) (laughs) exceptional knowledge of metal all right this next one comes from max kelleher yes where are you if you yeah i mean space whatever it's cool Um, if you could be a fly on the wall for any moment in history, what event would you choose and why? Hmm. Jesus. Any moment in history? (laughs) That's so much history. I love history. (laughs) Oh man. Just to witness something really cool. You want it to be like a pivotal moment too, where it was like, this was a decision that affected shit for a while, you know. So, but don't you want to see something that maybe we don't know? We're we're seeing a fl- yeah, true. Well, we're seeing a we're seeing a fly. <laughs> fuck. We're seeing a fly on the wall. <laughs> in that, like, it's not like you could die during this event happening, right? If it's some sort of crazy event, I think you're yeah, just like saying you could, if you want to witness something, you're just you're just when, without this. without affecting the situation in okay. any way. I'd probably want to witness the atomic bomb if that was the case then, because I bet that is fucking crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Pompeii. Ooh, that's a really good one. Because, like, yeah, you Pompeii would see is a really good the one. destruction. I mean, it would be kind of shitty, because you'd see so much horrible shit happening, but, like, 
just from a, a big, huge perspective, seeing that go down would be like, oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. So I, I, I'll go with that one. That was what first jumped out to mind. Maybe with Pompeii. Um, I want to like, I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank. Like, what are the great mysteries of the world? Well, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. So yeah, dude, like I want to J- know. There's like, what happened? There's like, but, but <laughs> <laughs> there's like the JFK stuff that you could try to go with. Mm. Um, uh, you could, you could do, uh, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams, man. So you could figure dude, that out. Dude, could be a fly <laughs> on the metal beams to wow. see if they melt it or not. <laughs> you could go to the moon, see if that shit's real. Yeah. See if that flag's there. Fucking, I don't like. Honestly, it's, it's hard to say, but I would. It's all I would love to find out a fucking mystery. Like, even as something as like I want to be in Amelia Earhart's plane and see if she like crashed or what happened mm. there or like anything, to where we don't have a solid answer now. Because as much as I would love to go back and like witness the first light bulb or something, oh, second whatever. it turned on, I've I would seen be a like, million fucking light. That's bulbs what I'm saying. It's like I would be like, oh, that's cool. But Our I've also world seen is that a million one big times. light bulb now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to find out. I need, I need a mystery. Yeah. So I, I feel like I would either want to be like present for Pericles' funeral speech, funeral oration at Athens, like something really ancient like that, or if I could be a fly on the wall at like one of Spartan's assemblies during like that Peloponnesian War, just to see what those fuckers were like all the way back then talking about that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah dude. Talking about like war and death. Or... Um, Honestly, like being in the situation in the room of the White House, like just like on the day of 9-11, you know, like mm-hmm. what the fuck did that look like? Yeah. Um, or even fuck, even like in the whatever room, like I, I this is anecdotal, but I remember hearing that, you know, essentially when the economic downturn was happening in 2008, it was basically like a room full of the most prime legislators that night basically like, all right, either we do this or tomorrow, ev- the world economy collapses. You yeah, know? dude. There's a great, there's be- a great movie on it called Too Big to Fail, dude. You should fucking watch it. It's cool. Hmm. Yeah, like I would love to be in that room watching these people. Just be like, all right, well, this is like kind of what we have to do. Like, what what does that conversation look like? Yeah, we're know? gonna decide the future. My yeah. my 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 first initial thought was being in the little hut of Santa Ana. Right before the Battle of San Jacinto happened. Yeah, man. And it's watching like, him with his pants down and be like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Texas, Texas, Texas. Texas, Texas. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Good question. That's kick ass. All right. This last one comes from none other than the forger of masks himself. So salutations, my friends. I bear a tough question that I just recently found the answer to, and I wanted to bring it onto the show to hear your thoughts on this matter. This is the deep stuff, so brace yourselves. Oh, no. You see, yeah, I know, right? I, I like that we get kind of the bigger, chewier questions, but we've been getting a lot of them recently. Yeah, there was that one them. day when we were like back to back, like three fucking like brain what twisters. Meaning, like, what would yeah. you say to God and yeah. fucking... <laughs> Do you believe in God? Guys, I need to <laughs> prep for this. Yeah. yeah. What is a God? <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. I don't know. Okay, yeah, let's bring on the yeah. deep cuts. The question is, has there ever been a show, movie, game, or book that has used your biggest fear against you to the point that it broke you in some way? Something personal to you that either made you feel uncomfortable, upset, or legitimately horrified? It is only fitting that I answer this question myself without giving away spoilers. Um, but the end of the original 1997 animated series of Berserk still goes down as the most horrific moment in my viewing history. Yeah. 
It achieved this because it hit my fear dead on. The fear of everything you have strived to achieve and build being sundered right before your very eyes. Seeing this thing you cherish the moment before the most, seeing the thing you cherish most being ruined before, right before you is the absolute nothing. There's absolutely nothing you can do. After watching that episode, I was mostly drained for several days afterwards and it still horrifies me to think about it. So he says, I know it's a deep question, but it's a good to dig deep and help find who you are and what drives you to be the person you want to be. Thank you for your consistent support and tremendous insight. Tanner's Tanner. So what is something fictional, some sort of story that hit on like your most vit, like just the worst fear nerve that you have. So that berserk one is really good. Yeah, it's really good because one, it shows like, not only striving for something, but then hitting a point to where you are 100% powerless in a scenario yeah. where you have to watch and it's see like something. like no hope here. <laughs> yeah. And also like forces way beyond your control or previous comprehension. Like, you know, in that particular moment, it's with like demons and things that you have no chance against yeah. because they're unworldly. Yeah. I would say that this is obviously like a spoiler warning, right? Because we're talking about the ending of stuff. Yeah. You know? I read a comic book called Why the Last Man and uh throughout the entire book it's you know it's a it's a big story it's very like there's one man left on the earth and all the men died mm-hmm. for and you're essentially going through fucking 65 individual comics trying to find out what happened right and why he's still alive and mm-hmm. you get an answer and that's pretty cool but the whole time uh the main male character builds this relationship with one of the girl characters to where you don't really notice it happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't notice it all the way until the very end where you're like, Oh wait, there's like a, there's a fucking, there's some chemistry here. That's really cute. That's, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. that's adorable. Like I'm really into this. I didn't realize that I was, you know, like so involved in their relationship being built. And then out of nowhere, while they're talking, they have the girl get fucking sniped in the head. Damn. And killed <laughs> without there being any like, like closure to the situation of being uh, like closure to the idea of like them speaking the words to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. That sort of scenario. And it was like really one just like, Oh my God, like what the fuck are you kidding me? Like I was like in awe. I was like, no, I didn't realize how like invested <laughs> I was in this romantic story. Right. But then it also kind of draws on the idea to where like, you know, you play games for too long, you might lose your chance kind of situation and that sort of like that uh-huh. sort of thing to where I don't know that that definitely hit me. I mean, obviously, I don't have like I can't relate to being raped by demons or anything like that. So <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, but obviously that was definitely a terrible story and stuff. But that's something I can totally relate to. And like, that's definitely one of my biggest fears is like not acting on situations that you need to be. So, yeah. So I, I got like two two responses that I think uh, address the different parts of the question. So I think my first initial, like most it it drives home the most was the first time I watched Requiem for a dream. Um, I just remember (laughs) like, like the, the movie ending and just being like, I have no idea what to freaking make of this anymore. Cause it was just like these people and they like were a group of friends and it seemed like so happy at the beginning. And at the end you just see like this horrible, like all these people being subject to their addictions and the world being this horrible shitty place. And like some of them die, some of them end up miserable in a hospital bed, you know, and they have like great music that puts you in that scenario. So like, that was the most where I was just like, I 
felt physically different after watching that and mentally just like reprieve, just like I can't, I don't know what to fucking make of this for like a few hours. But then also, um, Chase made me check out Marilyn Manson, who was a, I was like afraid of that motherfucker for like a long time, probably into my adulthood. And um, he was just like somebody who I just did not like his presence or what he stood for or any of that. Just I just didn't like his aesthetic. Um, his music scared me. And eventually, <laughs> it was too spooky. He's super spooky. And uh, <laughs> and eventually, you know, I like Chase was like, well, why don't you kind of see what he's about? Do some research, check him out. And I started watching a lot of interviews with him and like kind of like actually hearing his thoughts and ideas about stuff. And it was really enlightening because I was like, wow, this guy's just like a person and he's really smart. And like, I actually share a lot of the same like understandings about the world as this guy. So it was weird. Like looking this thing that you had been afraid of for like, you know, 15 plus years in the face and being like finding a lot of common ground with it. So I think that was, that was one thing. It's classic exposure therapy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting answer. Um, I think I think the one for me that gets closest is the movie The Strangers. Ooh. When this movie hit, I wasn't necessarily full blown into this fear yet, but I have a very like I think one of my strongest fears period is body um, mutilation, like and some specifically being cut with knives. So we worked, uh, you know, at the sandwich shop, and we, you know, we worked we worked in a kitchen. We did a lot of food prep. We did a lot of knife work, and I cut myself several times with knives. It just comes with the territory of working in a kitchen. And as time went on and I would cut myself more often, it just like I got like a real just aversion to that feeling. And at one point in time, I even nicked my pinky in the tiniest way in the meat slicer. And oh. that feeling, that feeling is stuck with me like that. <laughs> that is the feeling fucking I'm sorry, powerless feeling of like, yeah, coming into contact with another force. You're just like you a being piece nothing. of meat. You are literally nothing compared to another force. Yeah, you're a piece of meat. So I that those that's my greatest fear right there is is knife stuff and body manipulation. And the end of Strangers, the uh, spoilers for Strangers, the uh, couple is bound in chairs and the people attacking them in the house throughout the night literally just slowly, like at slower than you can imagine, just stab and kill them. And it was a moment in a film that. I wasn't expecting, and when you talk about feeling powerless in front of like a screen or something, it was like I was I was like being forced, almost subjected to watching this happen, and it felt so real, and it it left me in a funk for days just thinking about that scene, you know? Yeah. So I've, yeah, I've heard that movie can fuck you up, man. Yeah, Dude, that, that movie's, movie's tough. Yeah. Doesn't see yeah, because it doesn't really seem there's much much point, you know? They're just they're just doing it. So yeah. Well, thank you for the question, Tanner. You know that you are a fucking badass. In fact, let me pull up that email one last thing. He had a uh, his. Oh, that's right. He had a PS and he says he's going to be sending the metal or magic helmet pretty damn soon. But basically, if you go to Twitch, YouTube or Twitter or Facebook and use Forger of Masks as like the backslash denominator, you'll find his work and um he will commission you stuff to make. So if you want a costume from like anything like video game related or movie, you can pay him and he will fucking make it and it will look awesome. So I, I implore you to do so. Let's go ahead and put numbers on these beers and we'll get out of here. Um, I'll go first. There's nothing like bad about this beer. This is not a bad tasting beer. 
Um, it's very sweet. It's kind of got like a roasted malt to it, you know, like it feels kind of roasty and, you know, you get that fall festive kind of thing going on there. There are, there are spices. What I mo like, um, towards the, the end of the flavor profile, first of all, it's kind of sweet. So it sticks in my mouth a little longer than I like. Um, but you get the spices sort of opening up in your mouth as you finish the, the swig. I think it smells kind of earthy, which is interesting and different. It's only 5.7% alcohol, but yet it feels just somehow a little bit thicker than the last one we had, even though the last one uh, had a barely a higher alcohol percentage. Um, and since it is thicker, it's just not as easy for me to drink, which is what I'm looking for in Oktoberfest. So I'm going to give this one a, a 6.5. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm on kind of the same... Spectrum. I didn't necessarily feel like it was very thick. Yeah, um, me neither. Yeah. I actually thought it was very light, almost like watery in a lot of ways. Um, it kind of just tasted just like that, like very, like very thin, very like flavored water. There was like no carbonation to it. Um, I mean, it, it's supposed to be very drinkable and that's awesome. But usually if you're going to be you know, trying to make a stand as some sort of like new Oktoberfest beer, you want to at least, you know, show off a little something. And I feel like everything was just so subdued in the beer itself that I almost feel like I needed food to even appreciate the beer. Right. Because all it was really there was maybe to counteract with a a super savory bratwurst or whatever, you know, (laughs) and that's cool. But at the end of the day, when you just, looking at the beer by itself, it's not a whole lot. You know, there's other beers that are almost identical to it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, don't see a whole lot of it that really screams Oktoberfest to me anyway. Um, I'm going to also, I'm going to say a five. Okay. But that's like not in like grades. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I always feel like I have to stress that out. It's like not like getting a 50 on a test. Yeah. It's yeah. like the middle of the spectrum. Right. Know? Yeah. It's not into the bad part yet. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Five is still somewhat respectable. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think y'all y'all are hitting on it. I mean, I don't have a whole lot left to say. I think it's drinkable. I think that's like the most positive comment I could say about it. Um, I don't get a whole lot of, of flavor notes. You know, I get, I get a little bit of the sweet maltiness. Um, I thought it was also very light. Um, you know, considering this was real ale, I thought that they would have a little bit more of a robustness of either spices or, or some sort of flavor. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it left me feeling like it was lacking something. Um, and not to like a severe fault, but you know, I, I, you know, when you see like Oktoberfest, you kind of expect a little something to come with it. And this was just kind of like, here you go. Here's like, yeah, like you said, like almost like flavored water. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to go between y'all. Um, yeah, I felt like it was a little lacking. It wasn't bad. Um, it, I think it, it hit on some of the bases that Oktoberfest beer should, but yeah, I'm just not super impressed. Yeah. All right. Well, that's episode number 78. A fun and enjoyable one, but it's time to bring it to it. Okay, whatever. Here comes the blast. <laughs> but we're done with the show. A bit up, a bit up. <laughs> Witty Banter's on iTunes. Just search for Witty Banter. Hit subscribe. All of our episodes will show up in your download queue for free. We are also on a variety of Android services. If you can't find us, just send us an email, and we will try to get to where you're trying to listen to us as soon as possible. You can also go to our website, which is wittybantershow.com, and you can listen to them all there. We are on Twitter. 
Um, we're at Witty Banter Show, and then I am at Bodacious Chase. Max is at Probably Max. And we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. So that's all that. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode number 79. Wow. And uh, we'll keep on marching towards the end of the year, man. I'm getting excited for our end of the year episode. Yeah. We well, got we... a couple things before the end of the year, too. There's a lot We're of still planning on we NASA. Rest of the We're year. still planning on this charity event. And then we got to round it out with the end of the year review of the year. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me as always, gents. And then for everybody else out there listening, thank you so much for stopping by with us for a little over an hour. We will see you next week. Adventure.